Welcome back, everybody. It's Dom. That's not Noah. Clearly. You you guys know I can't quite do the intros like Noah, but I'm trying to do my best here. Um, but you got to deal with me today. A solo mission for the UFC Vegas 19 preview. Noah is not with me in the studio today. So hopefully I don't bore you guys too much. Hopefully I'm not too unbearable to listen to. And hopefully I present some pretty good previews for these fights we've got coming up this weekend. However, we got a lot of news to go over here, a lot of fight announcements, and a couple things in the rest category. So you already know what time it is. Let's get right into it. The news. So ladies and gentlemen, a lot of fight announcements here. Again, this won't be a very long news segment as usual, uh, especially with this many fight announcements, simply because Noah's not here to discuss these as much with me. But I'll give my brief thoughts on each one of these. These are going to be in chronological order, with the first one being the rescheduled bout between Pedro Munoz and Jimmy Rivera. This was originally supposed to happen uh, last weekend on UFC 258's main card, however, got scrapped due to, I think it was an injury or something. I don't even know if it was COVID-related. It may have been. I can't remember. However, it's been rescheduled for February 27th, UFC Fight Night. This, of course, is headlined by Rosenstroik and Surreal Gagne. So this is all of a sudden looking like a really good uh, card just with those two bouts. Because again, the fight nights are the free ones, you know, on ESPN, ESPN+. And that's two really great fights there, plus whatever else is going to be on that main card. And they switch up so often, who knows what else is going to be on there. Uh, Coming up next, this was the big headline today. As you know, we record these previews on Thursdays, and this stole the MMA community or took the MMA community by storm, I should say, today. That is because Bilal Muhammad, my prelim notable from our UFC 258 recap, coming off of a win just five days ago, stepping in on short notice, less than a month, to fight Leon Rocky Edwards. The UFC Fight Night, uh, UFC Vegas 21, March 13th, main event of the evening at the welterweight division. Bilal riding a four-fight win streak. Leon Edwards on an eight-fight win streak. Leon last fought in July of 2019. Since then, has just had a rough go of things. You know, had COVID. Had his bout with Tyron Woodley canceled last year due to that's when COVID broke out. And he was stuck in the United Kingdom. Then he got COVID, so he couldn't fight Hamzat Chemaev. They rescheduled it. Hamzat got COVID rescheduled it a third time for March 13th, and Hamzad is still unable to fight. However, Leon was dead set on sticking to the March 13th date. He wants to fight and wants to be active after the long layoff. Bilal Muhammad said, hold my beer, kid, because he's coming in again off of five days' notice, accepted the fight today, fighting again on March 13th. Funny enough, that'll be one month exactly uh, from his last bout because UFC 258 was on. February 13th. So that's going to be a great fight. I really think that's going to be a stand-up war. Shout out to Bilal for stepping in when no one else wanted to fight Leon. And for Leon accepting this fight against... Bilal was number 13 at the time. Let's see if he moved up actually in the rankings since Saturday. He is, as a matter of fact, still 13th. Yeah, so he didn't even move up. He did fight an unranked guy, so that's probably the reason why. So number 13 versus number 3, I think these guys are really going to show out. I think this is an incredible fight. 
Um, saw some eye rolls from some people. People just upset that you know guys like Jorge and Colby weren't offered or at least didn't accept it. However, I'm not going to complain. I think this is a really fun matchup, and stylistically, I think we're going to have a stand-up war. Go back and watch the prelim that Bilal just fought in. At UFC 258, he looked incredible. His pace, his striking, and Leon, the crisp boxer out of the United Kingdom, a great striker, very crisp, crisp, very clean. That's going to be a great war. Next, a light heavyweight bout that we may or may not have already talked about, so I won't spend too much time on this one, but it's Misha Serkinov and Ryan Spann going at it also on March 13th at that fight night, headlined by Bilal and Leon Edwards. Uh, again, we may have mentioned this a while ago, but this is a really fun fight. Misha's kind of always been that perennial top 15 guy in the light heavyweight division, not quite able to crack in to title contention status yet. And on the other hand, Ryan Spann was on a tear, coming off of that crazy one-round fight he had with Johnny Walker, where they essentially both like knocked each other out. I don't know, it was the craziest thing I've ever seen in my life. That's a fun fight. Misha's very well-rounded, Ryan Spann being a very good submission specialist, but again, he went at it, throwing haymakers with Johnny Walker. That should be a fun one. Again, that's March 13th as well. May even be a co-main slot under the Leon and Bilal fight. We'll see what happens there. Next, we've got some big boys, the heavyweights, March 27th at UFC 260. That, of course, is headlined by some more big boys, Stipe Miocic and Francis Ngannou. This may be a prelim fight. It may be a main card fight. I digress. Blagoy Ivanov versus Marcin Tybura. Both top 15 guys. Marcin just cracked back in after having a great 2020. Blagoy's always that guy that's hanging around giving everybody tough fits, including UFC Vegas 19 headliner Derek Lewis. That's an interesting bout. Excited, excited I should say, to see where the winner of this can go because it may be top 10 territory in a big fight next. So that's an interesting bout, and I love when they pair multiple matchups within the same division on the same card, because like I said, this is headlined by the champion at the heavyweight division. And we're actually going to talk about this more, because this UFC Vegas 19 uh, card is headlined by Blades and Lewis, which is heavyweight, number one contender fight, really. But then we've got two other heavyweight bouts on the main card, three total, the heavyweights are taking over the month of February and March, to say the least. Next, we've got Mike Perry and Daniel Rodriguez. This is going to be a bloodbath, absolute slobber knocker of a fight. This is going down April 10th, one day before my birthday. This fight night is headlined, as of now, uh, with Darren Till and Marvin Vittori. This fight has all the makings to just be... Pure violence. Perry, known for just being an insanely paced, and an insane guy, really, but in a good way, and a bad way. I don't really know. He's a character. Daniel Rodriguez is known to throw some haymakers himself in the octagon. Put those two together, that's going to be an amazing, amazing fight. Next, another fun one. So we've got Jan Kudaleba and Devin Clark. This is going to be May 1st. Now, it's unknown what the pay-per-view will be in May yet, so this is I think this is going to be a fight night, and I'll get into why a little bit later, but nevertheless, this fight, Kudaleba uh, and Devin Clark, Devin Clark, of course, coming off of that loss to Anthony Smith, where they had a headliner on short days, on a short notice, 
They actually took the headlining spot from Blades and Lewis the first time back in November after Curtis Blades fell through with COVID. And then Kudaleva coming off of that fight at UFC, 250, uh, UFC 254 where he got KO'd. I believe that was against uh, Makachev, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so two lightweights here going at it. Or I'm sorry, light heavyweights, I apologize. And uh, that's a really fun fight. Another one where it's going to be a stand-up war. It was Magomed Ankalev, by the way, who uh, had that fight with Kudaleba. That's fun. That's a really good fight for the light heavyweights. These guys, again, are both top 15, looking to kind of just crack in to that top 10 uh, territory, should I say. And actually, after that loss to Smith, Devin Clark is not in the top 15 right now, so Jamal Hill's ranked 15th. Um, and Kudaleba is also not ranked. So both these guys, Kudaleba was 15th before he lost. So whoever wins this should get a top 15 number next to their name, especially if they go out and do it in convincing fashion. That's a very fun fight at light heavyweight. Next, we've got another heavyweight bout, Shamil Abdurakimov versus Augusto Sakai. This is also on May 1st. Augusto Sakai, of course, coming off of that headliner with Alistair Overeem in last quarter of uh, 2020. And then for Shamil, his last bout, if I'm not mistaken, he's ranked number 8th, so this is a great fight. And uh, Shamil's coming off a loss, actually, to Curtis Blades. That was in September of 2019, so hasn't fought since. Very long layoff. Interested to see how he can bounce back in this one. And for Sakai, he was getting pushed very quickly, but in a good way. I mean, he's a good fighter, but Overeem showed the veteran expertise, and that's why Overeem was able to get the win over him. So I'm curious to see how Sakai will bounce back. It's number 8 versus number 9. Very good matchmaking there in the heavyweight division. And then rounding out the fight announcements today, we've got a very fun fight uh, in the women's flyweight division between Caitlin Chukagian, and I don't want to butcher the name here, Vivian Arujo. I think I butchered the name anyway, but I tried my best. Noah's the guy that pronounces all the names. The Vivian and Caitlin here, this is May 15th. Now, this is rumored to be UFC 262. So that I'm not 100% sure here which one's going to be fight night and what's going to be the pay-per-view in the month of May. However, those are three fights that are lined up. We've also got another fight. Uh, Donald Cerrone and Diego Sanchez is happening in May. So we're starting to get out of the first quarter of 2021 and onto the second quarter here. And there's some good fights so far in the month of May, but this is a really big one. For Caitlin, you know, she's number... She's still top three. I believe she's number two. Vivian, coming off of a big win, now cracked into the top seven, if I'm not mistaken here. My phone's loading. Yeah, Caitlin's number two. Vivian's number seven. So she's 10-2. and two. Caitlin's 15-4. and four. Of course, we know Caitlin is challenged for the belt. Vivian, on the other hand... On a two-fight win streak, including wins over Montana De La Rosa and Roxanne Montefiore, that just happened. Um, this says February 20th. That's clearly not correct because that date has not happened yet. But it happened uh, in, uh, I think it was last month against Roxanne, back in January. Um, nevertheless, she's coming off of a win against Roxanne, one of the veterans of women women's mixed martial arts. That's a really good fight, and I'm curious to see how it'll play out, especially for Caitlyn, because she's really just kept very active since losing that fight to Valentina, 
and has arguably looked better than ever, especially in her last go about it. So I'm excited for that one. Again, that rounds out the fight announcements. We've got a few things in the rest category. Number one being heavyweight legend Stefan Struve officially retired. This is technically his second retirement, but this one's a lot more official. Um, and man, what a guy. This is a guy that KO'd, believe it or not, the heavyweight goat, Stipe Miocic. He's been there and done that. The tallest fighter in UFC history, standing at a massive six foot eleven inches tall. Was always in fun fights, win or lose. Tons of post-fight bonuses, knockouts, submissions. He could really do it all. I believe he finished his pro career 33 wins, 13 losses. Pardon me as I take a drink. But uh, shout out to Stefan Struve, man. Always fun to watch. And uh, I wish him nothing but the best in retirement. Next up, a highly anticipated rematch here. Brandon Moreno, Davis and Figueredo. As you know, in December of 2020, they fought to a draw in a fight of the year candidate at UFC 256. And now, we all know that the rematch is coming, but it's a matter of when. And Brandon Moreno wants that fight to happen in April. However, Davis and Figueredo wants it in June. How about we just settle and split the difference and let's do it in May? On that May 15th card with Caitlin and Vivian? I mean, you know, I'm not a matchmaker, but I try my best. I think that makes sense. If one wants April, one wants June, split it right down the middle. Let's go May. I think that is a great fight. Obviously, we saw them fight to a draw. And that was on three weeks' notice. Now they're both going to get camps in. They're going to get fully rested after that war. I can't wait to see both of these guys coming in to fight each other for the belt, both off of full training camps. Can't wait to see when that fight gets officially booked. Uh, Two more things here. This one's not very big, but also it is kind of cool. So as you guys know, we talk about the rankings a lot here for the UFC on this podcast uh, in terms of matchmaking, and when we break down fights, so on and so forth. And Bellator is now launching their very own ranking system. This will begin on April 2nd. It will be made up of media members similar to the UFC's ranking system. Excited to see how that will play out, especially because they're doing a lot of Grand Prix you know, tournament-style things. So there's not necessarily seeding in that tournament, but it'll be interesting to see, okay, what are these eight guys in the light heavyweight division going to be ranked for Bellator going into that? I think that'll be kind of interesting to see. And maybe they'll rank them accordingly. Of course, the champion, uh, Nimkov, will probably be number one. But uh, there's a lot of great guys, so I'm curious to see their pound-for-pound rankings uh, as compared to just weight class rankings, especially with guys like Pitbull over there, um, Lima, all kinds of just studs, including Nimkov, as I previously mentioned. So uh, good for Bellator, man. There's something about just seeing rankings and having a little bit more clarity, uh, in my opinion, anyways. And then last but not least, we kind of touched on it a little in the UFC 258 recap. Uh, and not that there's been much more movement since, uh, but it's looking like we're going to get Kamaru Usman and Jorge Masvidal too. And it's looking like they're going to be the Ultimate Fighter reboot coaches. And, of course, that means they would fight for the belt as well. You know, this is a tough one because I really wanted Jorge and Colby, right? But then Leon's fight with Hamzat fell off, and it looked like Colby was going to fight Leon. 
But I also want Jorge to fight Leon because of the three-piece in the soda back in the day. So there's so many things you can do here in the welterweight division. But when Usman called out Masvidal, that kind of threw a big wrench into things. I don't think people were expecting Usman to call out Masvidal after, you know, really dominating him in that fight back on Fight Island last July. But essentially, Usman wants to come into this fight with a full camp and prove that he can beat you know, Masvidal 10 out of 10 times, but he wants to try and finish Masvidal. Masvidal, of course, saying, hey, I took your nose on six days' notice. I'm going to take your belt on three weeks' notice, and in a full camp, I'll take your head. There's so much here you can do. It's definitely a money fight. It's a huge fight. Jorge's, of course, a huge draw. Usman's becoming more and more popular by the day, by the minute, and with finishes like he just had against Gilbert Burns, it's for good reason. You know, and I'm curious here, and I want to pose a question to our listeners before I get into the preview. Let us know with a voice message, so hit up the links in our bio, go to our social medias, and uh, leave us a voice message there. You'll find it on the link tree, as Noah loves to talk about. you got 60 seconds. Let us know your thoughts on the welterweight division. What do you want next for Kamaru Usman? Do you want this? Do you want, you know, the ultimate fighter with Usman and Masvidal? Um, I think it is going to be very entertaining if they are the coaches, especially that they're going to get the platform of ESPN to launch the Ultimate Fighter on. But uh, let us know. I'm really curious. We'll feature you guys, of course, in an upcoming episode. So leave us a voice message there. Let us know what you think about what should be next for Usman and the welterweight division as a whole, to be honest. But with that, that's the end of the news. And now we're going to get in to the UFC Vegas 19 preview. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a six-fight main card. Now, we're big on six-fight main cards here at the Below Average Joe's MMA podcast, rightfully so, because why have five fights on a main card when you can have six? It's a really simple concept to follow here. So we're going to run through this top to bottom, as Noah likes to do, and then we're going to break it down one by one. So this card's kind of been all over the place throughout the week. As you, some of you may know, I do uh, articles for Overtime Heroics. I was originally supposed to do a preview fight for uh, Rafael Alves and Pat Sabatini. That since has been moved to the prelims. So then I lost my preview article. But then I just got a short notice article to take on uh, Alexia Olenek and Chris Dawkins, which is on the main card. So that'll be coming out soon. So be on the lookout for my article there. But the entire main card here, we've got Tom Aspinall and Andre Arlovsky kicking the night off on the main card in the heavyweight division. I cannot wait for that fight. I'm a huge Tom Aspinall fan. He's truly one of my favorite prospects in the entire UFC right now. So can't wait for that fight. Of course, Noah, a huge supporter of Andre Arlovsky. Uh, next, we have a middleweight bout between Phil Halls and Nasruddin Imovov. I'm just going to tell you right now before I even preview the fight, that's your fight of the night right there, even though it's damn sure not going three rounds. After that is the article that I'm going to be previewing. It's Alexia Olenek and Chris Dawkins. That's another heavyweight division bout, Alexia Olenek being 10th in the division right now. Then we've got a men's featherweight bout, Charles Rosa and Derek Minner. Women's bantamweight, Ketlin Vieira, number 6. Versus Yana Kunitskaya, number seven. Also, Tiago Santos' girl, so don't mess with her because he's going to bring the hammer if you do, quite frankly. And then, our, of course, our main event, three months in the making. 
Curtis Blades, number two in the world. Derek Lewis, my balls was hot, number four in the world. Cannot wait for this main event. But it's time to go fight by fight, ladies and gentlemen. It's time for the nitty-gritty starting the main card off. Andre Arlovsky, Tom Aspinall. Now, here's the thing. Andre Arlovsky has been there. He's done that. He's got a professional record, 30 wins, 19 losses, 2 no contest. He's 19-13 and 13 with 1 no contest in the UFC, 17 KO, TKOs, 3 submissions, 13 of those 20 finishes coming via first round finish. Stoppage, I should say. In terms of the notable wins, you guys are going to have to bear with me because this is a quite the laundry list of people here. They include a submission over Tim Sylvia, unanimous decision over Fabricio Verdum, two victories over Ben Rothwell, one via unanimous decision, one via KO back at Affliction in 2008. I was a measly 10 years old at that time. Andre Arlovsky still to this day fighting top-level competition. You can't not love the Pitbull, man. He's also got wins over Big Country Roy Nelson. That was at Elite XC. Also in 2008, also via knockout, he got a split decision over Brendan Schaub, a KO over Bigfoot Silva, TKO Travis Brown, a decision over Frank Mir, a decision over Stefan Struve, who we mentioned in the news. And then most recently, coming off of that victory over a top 15 prospect at the time, uh, Tanner Bozer, pulled off a decision win over him in a very good fight. Uh, Some notable losses, again, (laughs) Andre's been there, he's done that, man. And uh, he's lost to Tim Sylvia twice. They had a great trilogy there back in the day for the belt. Uh, once via TKO, once via decision. He lost to Fedor Emelianenko, arguably one of the greatest heavyweights of all time. That was also at Affliction. That was in 2000, and I cannot even read my handwriting, but it was a long time ago, I'll tell you that much. Uh, he also lost to Bigfoot Silva. That was at Strike Force in 2010. He lost to Anthony Rumble Johnson at WSOF number 2 in 2013. That was via decision. He got TKO'd by Stipe Miocic. He got TKO'd by Alistair Overeem. Uh, submitted by Josh Barnett. TKO'd by Francis Ngannou, which, you know, who doesn't get TKO'd or KO'd by Francis? Uh, he lost a decision to Marcin Tybura. Lost a decision to Tai Tuivasa. A decision to Shamil Abdurakimov. Lost that split decision with Augusto Sakai in a fight he arguably won. And then got KO'd by Jarzinho Rosenstroik. So again, Andrei Arlovsky, been there and done that. Truly a legend of heavyweight mixed martial arts as a whole. And undoubtedly one of the you know greatest and just most memorable pioneers of the UFC heavyweight division. On the other end though... A guy I'm super high on. It's Tom Aspinall. He's 9-2. 8 KO TKOs, 1 submission. Ladies and gentlemen, sound the alarm. That's a 100% finish rate. We love that on this podcast. He's 2-0 in the UFC, both via first round KO. He's coming into this fight with Andre on a 5-fight win streak. All 9 finishes. Ladies and gentlemen. Not only does he have all nine of his wins via finish, all nine of those finishes are in the first round. 
unbelievable. Tom Aspinall, if you have not watched him yet, he's one of the just most pure uh, boxers in the heavyweight division right now. Again, I'm really high on him. You don't see a lot of big prospects in the heavyweight division these days for whatever reason that may be. And when you do, they don't quite make it. You know, we saw that with Sakai. He made it up to the Overeem fight, but then lost in the main event. Now we've got Aspinall here. We've got another big prospect, Chris Dawkus, who I'm going to talk about fighting Olenek. So two really great prospects for this heavyweight division at a time where they need it. Both going up against their toughest tests of their careers. But I'm going to tell you this right now. Andre Arlovsky, I love this guy. The fang, mouthpiece, everything about him. <clears throat> the evolution of his game, all the way until now, he really is still evolving and just getting better in all aspects of MMA. However, Father Time is undefeated, and Tom Aspinall is a young guy, still not even in his prime yet. Again, the boxing on this kid, unbelievable, and he's going to put it on display again at UFC Vegas 19 this Saturday. He's going to get another finish, which would be 10 for 10. And ladies and gentlemen, he's going to get that finish via first-round KO-TKO and make it 10 out of 10 finishes in the first round. Andre, I love you, man. You're a legend. Noah's going to hate me for this decision or prediction, dare I say. But uh, I, I just think Tom's really has that it factor, and I'm excited to see him go up against Andre. Can Andre win this? Absolutely. He just beat another prospect in Tanner Bozer, win all three rounds, and I think that's his biggest um, path to victory. I think he needs to grind out Aspinall. I think he needs to stay, you know, stay clear of the big shots from Tom and really grind it out and try and get it to a decision. But I just see Tom landing his striking so crisp, so clean. We've seen Andre beat KO, TKO'd so many times before, and I just think it's going to happen here again uh, this Saturday night. So on to the next one. Let me flip my page here in the notebook. This is the fight of the night. Uh, I don't care what anybody says. I cannot wait for this fight. This fight is perfect matchmaking, and this is why. So Nasruddin Imovov, this is again at middleweight, 185 pounds. Imovov is 9-2. Three KO TKOs, four submissions. He's 1-0 in the UFC. His debut came against Jordan Williams, and he won that via unanimous decision. All seven of his finishes have came in the first round. And he's coming into this fight on a six-fight win streak. Phil Hawes, also 9-2. Here, here's the fun thing, though. Because, ladies and gentlemen, how often do we get two guys on the same card with 100% finish rates? And now we're going back-to-back -back guys with 100% finish rates? Phil is seven KOTKs, two submissions. That's a perfect 9-for-9. Nine nine. Sound the alarm again. 100% finish rate. He's 2-1 in the UFC, but we like to count the Contender Series fights on here, so that's why I say 2-1. So his UFC debut was against Jacob Malkoon. Uh He KO'd him very, very, very quickly. I believe it was like 16 seconds. It was crazy. Um, so on the Contender Series, though, funny enough, he lost to Julian Marquez via KO. That was, of course, the gentleman who just had that third-round comeback victory over uh, Mackie Patolo this past Saturday at UFC 258, uh, then proceeded to ask Miley Cyrus to be his valentine, 
And she even responded back saying, shave my initials into your chest and I'll be your lover. And then he responded back to her telling her to get a henna tattoo. And now the barstool fund's involved. And Julian Marquez, the Cuban Missile Crisis, ladies and gentlemen, he's a national treasure. I'm just going to be honest with you. Um, And then in Phil's second performance on the Contender Series, he comes back. This time gets a victory over Hadza Murat Besteyev. And that was via TKO, of course, earning his UFC contract. Then, like I said, the Jacob Malkoon was his official debut. So if you want to get real nitpicky, he's technically 1-0 in the UFC, just like Imavov. But I like talking about the Contender Series. I'm a big Contender Series guy. Seven of his nine finishes have came in the first round. He's coming into this with a five-fight win streak. All five of those wins on this streak have came in the first round. I'm telling you right now. This fight is unbelievable. This is such good matchmaking. I cannot wait to see how this fight plays out. Phil Hawes has some nasty power on the feet, and I think he's going to put it on display again here. He's really on a tear. It's one thing, you know, again, both these guys on win streaks, but for Phil, all five of them via first round, four of them, I think, via KOTKO, that's unbelievable stuff. And uh, I think he's going to show it. Dana loves his contender series, guys, and he's showcasing him here on the main card for a reason. I think Phil Halls is going to get it done via second round KOTKO, but it's going to be a barn burner of a two-round war. And uh, again, fight of the night. I know I predicted it at the end of the second round, but hey, give me eight minutes of chaos and then a finish and I'll take it. You know, tuck me in bed after that one. But we can't go to bed because we got four more fights to go over. And the next one is a heavyweight clash between Alexi Olenek and Chris Dawkus. Now... Alexi Olenek has one of the most amazing records in mixed martial arts. 59 wins, 59, one shy of 60, if you're keeping track with me here on the math. 14 losses, one draw. 59 plus 14 is 73, plus one draw, that's 74. Alexi Olenek has 74 professional fights. And here's where it gets real fun. Only 8 via KO, TKO, so, you know, you're probably thinking, oh, tons of decisions from this guy. 59 wins, only 8, you know, KO, TKOs. Well, he has 46 submission victories. 46. I didn't stutter. That's one more than 45, one less than 47. 46 submissions, 8 KO, TKOs. That's 54 out of his 59 victories coming via finish. I mean, just take a second, because I'm going to take a second and take a drink of water, so just think about that. 54 finishes, 46 of them via submission. Okay, here we go. So, funny enough, only 13 of those fights have been in the UFC. Uh, he's 8-5 and five in the promotion, with wins over Travis Brown via submission. He submitted Mark Hunt, he submitted Maurice Green, you know, submission, you know, 46. You should have saw that coming. And then he also has a split decision over former heavyweight champ Fabrizio Verdum. He's lost to both guys headlining this event, Derek Lewis and Curtis Blades, both via TKO. Uh, he got TKO'd by Alistair Overeem and KO'd by Walt Harris. 41 of his 54 finishes have came in the first round. Really just an unbelievable resume. He really is a, a legend of mixed martial arts. He's been there and done that. Olenek has all around the world. However, 
He's got Chris Dawkins. You know, this is another fast-rising prospect similar to Tom Aspinall. That's why I love both of these matchups and both of them on the main card. Three heavyweight fights on a main card. I mean, my goodness gracious. Chris is 10-3. and three. So, 13 pro fights versus 74. Yeah, safe to say Olenek has the experience differ, uh, uh, advantage here. But uh, nine of Chris's ten victories have came via KOTKO. He is 2-0 in the UFC with his debut coming against Parker Porter, and that came via TKO uh, in the first round. And also his most recent bout in the UFC, although I do not have the name written down here on my notes, he finished it in 45 seconds. Seven of those nine KOTKOs have came in the first round. He's entering this fight on a three-fight win streak, and all of those are via... Round one, KOTKOs, uh, two of those, like I said, in the UFC. So this is an interesting bout because the paths to victory seem rather clear. Alexi is going to take anyone that he fights down. And if he doesn't take him down, he's going to be in some trouble. Chris is going to want to keep this fight on the feet for his biggest uh, advantage and path to victory. Chris is going to look for the KOTKO. And as we can see with Alexi's losses, as I mentioned, in the UFC, four out of those five are via KOTKO. Chris's nine out of ten victories are KOTKO. So if Chris can keep this fight standing, I think he's going to be able to land shots, and I think he can finish the fight. But the experience that Olenek has is unmatched. Again, 74 fights. I can't stress that enough. And he's going to come in here, and I think he's going to impose his will Chris Dawkins is a great prospect, don't get me wrong, and I love prospects in the heavyweight division, but I don't believe it's time yet to beat a guy like Olenek. Again, Alexi's number 10 in the uh, in the heavyweight division right now, and this is only Chris's third UFC fight. So the UFC clearly believes in Chris, and for good reason, but I'm siding with the crafty veteran here. I think he's going to be able to drag this fight to the ground, wear and tear Chris, make him tired, and I think he is going to get a submission victory but I think it happens in the second round. Chris is going to be able to weather the storm in the first, get back to the stool, realize he's getting a little tired, and Olenek's just not going to get tired. He's just going to keep coming. He's literally called the boa constrictor, people. 46 submission wins, I would call him that too. And I think he's going for number 47 here at UFC Vegas 19 this Saturday night. I think this is going to be a fun fight, but I have to go with the crafty vet and the ground game. Uh, to get this fight finished. Next, we've got Charles Rosa and Derek Minner. Or it might be Minor. Minor, Minner. There's two ends. I don't know. Uh, this is a men's featherweight bout, 145 pounds. Charles is 13-4, and four, three KOTKOs, eight submissions. He's 4-4 four and four in the UFC. But the people that he's fought in the UFC is quite ridiculous, and especially the people he's lost to. Uh, so he's got a submission win over Manny Bermudez and a split decision over Kevin Aguilar. His losses in the UFC, Dennis Seaver, that was literally his debut in the organization. That was via decision. He lost a split decision to Yair Rodriguez. He got TKO'd by Shane Burgos and then lost a unanimous decision to Bryce Mitchell. So, you know, again, 4-4 four and four in the UFC. He was 9-0 and when he entered the UFC. So, it, it, for one, it just shows the step up in competition when you come over to this organization. But, however, I mean, he's fighting top-tier guys. I mean, all these guys are ranked opponents. 
Dennis obviously retired now, not fighting in the UFC, but he was ranked at the time and always top like 10. So it's interesting here for Rosa. Nine first round finishes out of his 11, so he likes to get it done and get it done early. For Derek, he's 25 and 11. <laughs> I love this. One KOTKO, 22 submissions. So we've got two submission specialists. Back to back here, one at heavyweight, one at men's featherweight. He's one and one in the UFC. His win was against TJ Larmy via submission. That was a guillotine choke. Uh, for those of you that don't know, TJ Larmy looked amazing on Dana White's contender series, and that was his debut against Derek Minner. And Derek made easy work of him. And then his loss in the UFC was to Grant Dawson. So you may not know Grant Dawson, but he's an absolute stud. He's 16 and one currently. Uh, and again, this is at featherweight, and he has a he submitted Derek. Um, twenty one of Derek's twenty three finishes have came in the first round. So this is my low key fight of the night. I think this is going to be really interesting to see how this plays out. So we've got eight submissions versus twenty two, very well rounded fighters here, and I think we're going to see a lot of grappling. But when we see two grapplers. Sometimes it turns into a striking war. So I'm really excited to see who can get the upper hand in this bout. But uh, this is my low-key sleeper fight of the night, to be honest with you. And I have a fun little prediction. So I'm actually going Charles Rosa, and I'm going a first-round submission. I think it's going to be really fun for the time being. If it does go all three rounds, this very well could overtake and be the fight of the night. Because like I said, Halls and Imanov... That's my predicted fight of the night, but I said it would end in the second round. If Minner and Rosa goes all three to a decision, they might overtake that. Might be fight of the night. But for those of you that enjoy grappling, I think this is going to be the one for us. And if you don't enjoy grappling, this is going to be the one for you to start your passion for it because this is going to be really fun. Uh, but yeah, I'm going Rosa via first round submission. Very excited for that one. That's Again, that's a low-key sleeper. I'm glad that's on the main card. Now, next up, we have a huge fight in the women's bantamweight division, in a division that's really looking for some clarity right now, um, some contenders to really step up and challenge Amanda, and we've got two great ones here. So, Ketlin Vieira, 11 wins, one loss, two KO, two KOs, four submissions. She's 5-1 and one in the promotion. Wins over Ashley Evans-Smith via decision. <clears throat> Excuse me. She submitted Sarah McMahon. She got a split decision over Kat Zanganu, who's now in Bellator, and then got a unanimous decision over Sijara Eubanks in her most recent outing. Her only loss of her career, and of course in the UFC, was to Irene uh, Aldane, and that was via KO. It, that was a brutal, brutal shot by Irene. And uh, of course, for those of you that don't know, Aldana just fought Holly Holm and was looking like she could potentially earn a title fight if she beat Holly. And Holly looked absolutely incredible in that fight and got the victory. Uh, three of Ketlin's six finishes have came in the first round. For Yana Kunitskaya, this is a very big fight for her because she entered the organization as a featherweight and has since dropped to bantamweight. Uh, she's 13-5, and five, seven KOTKOs, one submission. She's 3-2 and two in the UFC with wins over Lena Landsberg via decision and Marion Renew. Via decision, that's a very good win against Marion, by the way. Um, she's a top-tier fighter if you haven't seen Marion fight. Her losses, 
she literally made her debut in the UFC against Chris Cyborg. Um, and she got TKO'd there. She then dropped down to Bantamweight. Uh, this may have been her first fight at the weight class. I can't remember off the top of my head. But she got TKO'd by Aspen Ladd. Uh, Aspen Ladd is someone who I'm a very big supporter of, very very big fan of her. I think she could be a future champion. Of course, with Nunez there, it's hard to think anyone else being champion. But uh, Aspen's a very good prospect in that division. I can't wait to see her fight again. And then Yana also lost to Tanya Evinger, who has challenged for the belt in the UFC at 145 pounds. Uh, she lost to her in Invicta. It was in 2017 via submission. So Yana was one of those girls that came over from Invicta after being really dominant over there with really good title fights. Uh, of course, I think that fight with Tanya was actually a title fight. I could be wrong on that. And again, that was in 2017. So since then, she's been relatively active. Like I said, I think she's she might even be engaged now to Tiago Santos, uh, UFC light heavyweight former title challenger, one of Noah's favorite fighters uh, ever. And seven of her eight finishes have came in the first round. So this fight is the hardest one for me to kind of predict on this card. Um, I think Ketlin has enough tools to pull this victory off, but not easy by any means. Yana is as tough as they come, um, but she's proven that she, you know, 13-5. and five, a lot of those losses have came via KOTKO, so I was leaning toward Ketlin via KOTKO, but I think this is actually going to go the distance. I think we're going to see a really good three-round women's war here, uh, but I think Ketlin's really going to showcase her skills. Again, only one blemish on her record, and that was against Aldane. So she's coming in looking to make a name for herself, potentially one more fight after this and earn a title shot. Really, you could say that for both of these women here. So there's a lot of implications on the line because, as I mentioned, this women's bantamweight right now, 135 pounds, needs some clarity. It needs parity, something different. Um, it's very stale right now with kind of the same top-heavy contenders, but the contenders can't just go right into a title shot because Amanda's cleared out the division. So that's why fresh bud like this and fights like this are very important, and I'm glad they're getting a co-main event slot to showcase just how important that fight is. Last but not least, and hopefully I didn't go through this too quickly. Uh, I feel like we're going at a really fast pace, but I, I'm giving all the normal nitty-gritty stuff. Of course, don't have the back and forth with Noah. Noah, hope I'm making you proud back home, buddy. But uh, now we've got Curtis Blades, Derek Lewis. Let me take a quick swig here because this is a really, really important heavyweight main event. Ah, okay, so Curtis Blades is 14-2, 10 KOTKO victories. He's 9-2 with one no contest in the UFC. So he's 14-2 with one no contest. but 9-2 uh, in the UFC, one no contest. Wins against Alexio Olenek. As I mentioned, that was via TKO. Uh, unanimous decision over Mark Hunt. He TKO'd Alistair Overeem with those nasty ground-and-pound elbows. If you guys haven't seen those... Whew. Go look those up after this preview is over because those are just nasty. Uh, he got a TKO victory over Shamil Abdurakimov, who we talked about in the news segment. He TKO'd Junior Dos Santos and uh, got a unanimous decision over Alexander Volkov. That was a main event slot. That was his last outing. I think it did happen in 2020, early on in the year. Uh, two 
of Curtis's 10 finishes have came in the first round, and he's coming into this fight on a four-fight win streak. Other end, Derek Lewis, the Black Beast, everybody loves Derek Lewis because his balls were hot. 24 wins, 7 losses. He's got 19 KOT games, 1 submission. He's 15-5 and five in the UFC. Uh, he's got wins over Gabriel Gonzaga, KO, split decision over Roy Nelson, TKO'd Shamil Abdurakimov, he KO'd Travis Brown, he KO'd Marcin Tibura, he got a decision win over Francis Ngannou that we don't like to talk about, uh, he KO'd Alexander Volkov last, I literally, there were 11 seconds left in the fight that he was losing, and then KO'd Volkov. Unbelievable, one of the craziest comeback wins you'll ever see. Uh, he got a split decision over Blagoy Ivanov, a unanimous decision against Elir Latifi, that was Latifi's heavyweight debut, and then got a TKO over Alexi Olenek in his last bout. That also came in 2020. Uh, he's lost to Matt Mitrione via KO. He got TKO'd by Mark Hunt, submitted by Daniel Cormier in a title fight, uh, and then got TKO'd by Junior Dos Santos. So, man, this is interesting, right? Oh, and I guess I didn't mention. So seven of uh, Derek's 20 finishes have came in the first round. My apologies there. And uh, he's coming into this on a three-fight win streak. So this is a number one contender fight. <clears throat> However, John Jones is kind of just chilling right now, bulking up in the gym. I saw him post a video the other day. He deadlifted like 605 pounds for five reps. <laughs> but nevertheless... If John Jones wasn't in the discussion right now to fight the winner of Francis and Stipe, uh, this is a number one contender fight all day long. Curtis Blades has a very bad reputation of being like a boring uh, wrestler that doesn't always go for the finish, but 10 of his 14 wins are via KOTKO. And I think he just, I don't know, he's a guy that likes to tell it how it is and he doesn't really care what you think about him because he's coming in to get the job done, he's going to win. And he doesn't care how. So if it takes him laying on you for three rounds, five rounds, so be it. But if he sees an opening, he's going to go in for the finish. And more than likely, he's going to be able to get it done. You can't sleep on Curtis Blade just because he's had a couple of, you know, lackluster decision victories. I know the Volkov one stands out quite heavily. But, again, you look at the wins against guys like Overeem and you're like, holy shit. I don't want to fight this guy. This dude's going to bash my brains in. So, Blades, you know, they call him Razor Blades for a reason. He's an absolute stud, and I wouldn't want to be on the bottom when he's throwing ground and pound, man. His wrestling is top tier, especially for this heavyweight division. Uh, that's why I've always wanted to see him and Stipe fight. I don't know if we'll ever get to see it because of the whole John Jones factor, but I know one thing's for certain. The winner of this should get a title shot uh, again, with John Jones being there, they're going to have to wait and see what happens. For Derek Lewis, he's shown vulnerability, and he's shown that he can get taken down. He's shown that he can get submitted. He's shown that, you know, he's shown weaknesses. But if he's on the feet, this fight's intriguing because, again, Blades is a wrestle heavy, heavy guy, but if you go back to his TK over uh, Junior Dos Santos, JDS was able to stop the takedowns, therefore they had to stand up the whole time, and Blades bested him, and beat him up pretty good on the feet. So if this fight's standing, it's 50-50 in my opinion. Now, the power, in terms of like one shot, definitely goes in the hand of Derek Lewis. 
In terms of the more crisp, uh, I mean, yeah, I'm going to have to go Blades here. Even though we don't see him strike too much, Derek throws just a lot of haymakers that can knock your head off. So that's the question, and it's similar to the Olenek and Chris Dawkins fight. Can Lewis keep the fight standing? If he gets taken down, can he get back up? You know, sometimes when Lewis gets taken down, he has so much strength. Like, he's a freak athlete. He may have, you know, the chub, and he's on the heavier side of the heavyweight weight class, but this dude is an athlete, man. You got to watch some of his fights. I mean, he throws spinning kicks and flying knees, and he's a great athlete, and he can really launch himself up with his strength to get the fight back to the feet. But with a top-level wrestler like Blades, I don't know if just throwing him off with your power is going to be enough. And that's where I don't know, has Lewis improved enough since that last fight to where, you know, he can utilize more skill and, you know, doesn't drain as much energy to get up, or is he just going to keep powering up a couple times, drain himself, and then ultimately if this fight goes to the fourth or fifth round... He's going to be in a, in, in a lot of trouble, I believe. So, I'm going to lean toward Curtis Blades. Because I think he's not only going to be able to land some takedowns, I think he's going to be able to keep Derek down. Again, if this is on the feet, it's it's 50-50 to me. I really think it is. But I, I think it's going to... Blades is going to come in, he's going to push the pace, and he's going to look to take him down within literally the first... 30 to 45 seconds of this fight. He's going to want to prove a statement immediately. And I think he's going to be able to do so. Maybe not be the first takedown attempt. May not be the second. But he's going to keep going. And he's going to keep going until he gets you on your back. He's kind of like the heavyweight version of a Habib. You know, in terms of just being so aggressive and won't stop until he gets you to the ground. And I think he's going to be able to get that done. But I don't know... I I can't see... Derek getting like KO TKO'd brutally or like the Alistair Overeem elbows that Curtis Blades landed. But I can see him getting submitted. However, Curtis Blades has no submission victories on his professional record. Not to say he can't do it, but will he look for it? That I don't know. And for that reason alone, I'm going to go Blades via decision. Um, I don't doubt for a second that either one of these guys can finish this fight. I don't doubt that either one can do it in a very convincing fashion. But I'm going to go with the more lackluster type of victory. I think Blades is going to make a statement. I think he's going to look good. I don't think it's going to be one of those boring ground performances. I think he's going to do a lot of transitioning. I think he's going to look for a lot of heavy ground and pound. I think Derek's just going to be able to weather the storm and not get finished. Um, And for each of these rounds, you know, they start on the feet. And that's where I look for the fun exchanges to happen if Blades can stay aware of the big shots from Lewis because Lewis is going to go for him. Because if Lewis is down on the scorecards, man, you can't count him out. Again, back to the Volkov knockout. He was losing that fight for 14 minutes and 45 seconds and then lands one shot and it's all over and wins. So very excited for this one. It's Super duper important for the division. Again, I know I said um, John Jones is there waiting in the wings for the title shot, and rightfully so. You know, I'm not hating on it. He deserves it. But if something were to happen, you know, where John couldn't fight on a certain timeline, 
the winner of this is going to be right there waiting for the opportunity. And, you know, even like a replacement fighter, if whoever wins Stipe Ngannou fight John Jones, they're going to be there. So, uh, of course, we'll get into what's next for the winners uh, come Monday. But don't sleep on this fight card. I'm not going to lie to you guys. I love, love, love this card from top to bottom. And it's one of the earlier cards, which is nice. So the prelims start at 4.30. Excuse me. And the main card starts at 8 p.m. I believe it's all ESPN+. Plus. Let me double check. We don't want to be giving out false information. Or at least not too much false information. Don't fact check us on everything, guys. Yeah, so this is all going to be exclusively on ESPN+. Plus. So head over there Saturday evening if you are subscribed. Again, tune into the prelims too. There are great prelims on this card. Uh, a lot of notables. Uh, some very good fight of the night potential on the prelims. And then a six-fight main card. We love six-fight main cards, as I mentioned in the beginning. Three of them in the heavyweight division. We've got some barn burner fights. Bantamweight for the women. Who's going to get a title shot? You know, one fight away at least from a title shot. You know, the Halls and Imovov. I could go on and on. I love this fight night. These are the fight nights that we kind of live for on this podcast. We love breaking down the lesser-known fighters for you and really just bringing information to get you guys excited for all types of fights, not just the big ones. And uh, this is one of those fight nights. So really looking forward to it this Saturday night. Again, main card at 8 p.m., prelims at 4.30 p.m. But until then, uh, we're going to be back on Monday with, of course, our recap episode. Uh, Unsure of the rest of the schedule, at least... We should have a special episode next week. We're working on what we're going to do with that. And then that Friday, uh, we will do the UFC Vegas 20 preview. That, of course, headlined by another heavyweight bout. So that's, you know, there's four fight cards in the month of February. Three of them headlined by heavyweights. Uh, And that one's going to be Jorginho Rosenstroik and Sereer Algane. Cannot wait for that one. But until then, guys, you can find our podcast on Twitter, on Instagram, at BAJ underscore MMA podcast. Check out the link tree in my bio at dcelee14. Find it in Noah's at ntbaker underscore. If you go to that link tree, you're going to see all of the platforms that our podcast is on, our website for the podcast. You're going to see our donation link to become a supporter. If you want to, you know, make a monetary donation to the podcast every month to help contribute to down the line, or you know, upgrading audio equipment, starting a video podcast, all that fun stuff. Any support's appreciated. If you want to leave a voice message, we want to hit that really big this year. We've gotten one so far. Hopefully, we get many more as we continue to build this community. And uh, so, let us know. You got 60 seconds on a voice message. No, like to say, you can tell us that we suck. Eh, I think we're pretty good. But if you if you feel that way, we're not going to hate on you. Let us know what you think about some fights coming up, some hot takes, some ideas for episodes. Let us know, and you can be featured on a future episode. But with that, ladies and gentlemen, I'm out, and we will see you all on Monday.